Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at www.cwcsj.org for service times and directions. If you would stand to your feet with me, I want you to turn your Bibles with me and turn your attention to a passage of Scripture found in Matthew chapter 16. And as you turn there, we're going to... We're going to read a passage of Scripture where Jesus is, in a sense, interviewing his disciples. He's, uh, if you're a business owner or if you are a CEO, you are, uh, every so often you'll, you'll do market surveys to kind of figure out where, where things are, what the trends are, and so forth. And Jesus is doing a market survey, if you would. He's taking time to kind of assess uh, they're they're uh, taking time to do their annual report, find out where they're at, find out what people think about what's going on in the direction. In Matthew chapter 16, I want you to notice in verse 13, if you're there, say amen. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Verse 14, well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Look at verse 15. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Bow your heads with me and pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want you to notice this, that the survey that Jesus is taking at this point, he asked them, I want to know, who are you here? What's the word out there? What are people saying about me? What are individuals saying about our ministry and, and, and the impact that we're having? And when the disciples come together, they all begin to respond. And, and you get one in the back that says, you got James in the back yelling, some say you're Elijah. Someone else on the other say, well, others say that you're John the Baptist. Someone in the back yells that way. Others say that you might even be Jeremiah. And the, the front ones say, well, others say you're, you're, you're a prophet as well. And Jesus is taking in what everyone ideas are about him how many of you know today that the world has ideas of who Jesus is everyone has their opinions Everyone has their thoughts, their, their, their concepts of who Jesus was. He, he was a good holy man. He, he was a teacher. He, he was a healer. But when, when, G, when it comes down to it, I want you to notice verse 15. Jesus looks at them and says, but who do you say that I am? There comes a point where, and don't take this, don't take this offensive, but there comes a point where God doesn't give a rip what everyone else thinks about him. It's not important what your family thinks. It's not important what your aunt and uncles think. It's not important what your homies at school think or, or your co-workers at work. The bottom line is this. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say I am? 
And when Jesus looks at the disciples and he confronts them with this revelation and confronts them with, with this, this point where they have to give an answer, they, they can't give someone else's opinion. Have you ever noticed that whenever you ask someone a question for their opinion on something, nine times out of ten, they don't give you their opinion, they give you what others think. Because we've gotten to a point in society we're afraid to communicate our real feelings. Because when we communicate our real feelings, people get hurt. And so we'll, so we'll, we'll try to soften the blow by saying something like, well, I, I think, uh, I think our, my, my friend says something about, you know, what do you think about this dress? Well, you know, I, I heard some ladies at church say it just kind of it, it doesn't compliment your, 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 your figure. Instead of you just coming out and saying, babe, please don't wear that dress no more. (laughs) You have a hard time communicating things because we don't want to hurt. And when Jesus, look at verse 16, amen? Look at verse 16. Simon Peter answered. He he steps up from the opinions of others. And he says this, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You are the must go ahead and clap. That's a good place to clap. Amen. But I want you to notice something very powerful here is that our perception of him releases a new identity in us. I'm going somewhere with this. Hold on. Okay. I want you to notice something that takes place here. When when Simon recognizes this, his confession of his revelation of who Jesus is, his confession releases a revelation, and that revelation brings about a new identification as to who Peter is as well. Say it again, Pastor. See, I need you to understand. When Simon says you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, Jesus stops and he tells him this, Simon, Flesh and blood have not revealed this to you. You didn't get this information out of a book. You didn't read this. You didn't take time and study this. This wasn't something you found at school. This is something you caught by watching me, by watching me heal people, by observing me and seeing me in your life. I need you to understand that some lessons in life are caught, not taught. If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. Because if you have kids, you give them advice, but they don't listen. Because some lessons they have to catch. They have to go through it themselves. They have to go through it in order to totally understand. And so I want you to understand this. And I want you to say this with me. It's on the screen. Know him. Know you. Why is it so important that you get a revelation of who God is because when you get a revelation of who God is you get a revelation of who you are right. 
And I want you to know, Jesus says, who do they say I am? And so some say, they'd say, some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist, some say Jeremiah. I want you to notice something as they're listing all these people. And I want you to grab a hold of this because this is very important. Elijah was, the, was a prophet. He came with power, great acts and miracles and signs and wonders. When you had John the Baptist, he was the forerunner. In fact, the Bible says that Elijah had to come again to prepare the way for Jesus to come or for the Messiah. John the Baptist was an Elijah. He came and prepared the way. And then we have Jeremiah, one of the prophets. I need you to understand something and you need to grab a hold of this. Jesus wasn't just a prophet. He's the prophesied one. He wasn't just a forerunner. He's the one we've been waiting for. Oh, somebody got to grab this. You will never have breakthrough in your life until you come to a revelation of who Jesus is. Because if Jesus is just a man to you, you're never going to pull on the Son of God. You're never going to put a demand on. If you know him only as a healer, you're only going to place faith in him for healing. If you only know him as a savior, you're only going to put faith in him for the afterlife. But when you know him as the son of the living God, the Messiah, I can place a demand on him for whatever I need in whatever moment. Somebody got to capture this this morning. Peter responds, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And I, I want you to notice something here. He, the, the, that word Messiah is a powerful statement. Everyone say Messiah. Messiah is powerful because I want you to understand that not the, the Jews had been waiting for the Messiah. In fact, if you read the Bible and you, you, you see the story of what's called the Passover meal, to this day, the Jews will leave the front door open and they leave an empty chair at Passover waiting for Elijah to prepare the way for the Messiah to come. They're still waiting for the Messiah to come, not realizing that he already came. They're still waiting for him to show up. That, that word Messiah, or, or in, in the Greek, it's anointed one. When, when Peter said, you are the Christ, he's, he's saying that you are the anointed one. Not a anointed one. You are the anointed one. You're the one we've been waiting for. You're the one we've been hoping for. You're the one we've been praying for. You're the one we've been expecting. Why? Because the Jewish nation had been under domination. And if you've never been under the supervision or under the domination of another person, you never know what freedom really is. You got a nation that is dominating the Jewish people. They're, 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 they've militarily stepped in and they've taken over their region. And the Jews always believed that God was going to send their Messiah, a king, to set them free. The only problem is they thought he was going to set up an earthly kingdom, overthrow Rome. And so when Jesus came and he brought about healing, miracles, signs and wonders, feeding the multitudes, they thought, surely this is the king. The problem was Jesus didn't carry a sword. And he didn't deliver the nation like they thought he was. He delivered them, 
just not like they thought he would. They were looking at their nation. Jesus was looking at humanity. Sometimes our vision is very limited to me. What about me? Follow me. I'm going somewhere. That that term Christ, everyone say Christ. Christ means anointed one, Messiah or king or deliverer. But I want you to notice something about this. How how many of you have ever heard us refer to Christ or, or Jesus as Jesus Christ? Anointed one was a promise of who was to come. When Jesus came, Christ literally became his name. Let me try this side because y'all missed that. <laughs> totally. just to, The term Christ was to describe the one to come. There was an explanation of the Messiah. And when Jesus came, that name became his name. Okay, I was wrong. And so... Let's move on, okay? And so I need you to understand something. When we talk about Christ, that's why when you refer to Christ, you don't say Jesus Christ. You literally say Christ Jesus. Because Christ, it is the adjective that describes who he is. And so when we say Jesus, and we say Jesus Christ, we got it mixed up. It should be Christ Jesus. He is the anointed Jesus. He is the Messiah Jesus. He's the waited for Jesus. And so when we know who he is, I want you to understand that when Peter looked at Jesus and he said, who do they say I am? Peter, in, in modern day terminology, he would have said this, you are the answer. Oh, somebody give God praise right there. What Peter was saying is that, Jesus, you're not just the Christ. You are the answer to every one of the world's problems. You are the solution to every circumstance, the solution to a broken marriage, the solution to a cancer-ridden body. You are the solution to an addict. You are the solution to a nation that doesn't know you, a nation in bondage. You are the solution. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want you to notice something very powerful as as we move on. I'm not going to be much longer, but I do need you to focus in here. Amen? Peter's confession opens a new dimension. I'm pausing for dramatic effect. Peter's confession opens up a new dimension. When you forget who God is, you forget who you are. Knowing who God is isn't just a matter of you having a head knowledge or uh, information about him. It releases a whole new you in the process. Because you can't have a revelation of who God is and stay the same. You can't get a, you can't, when Isaiah walked in and saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple, it changed him. 
When Moses walked in and had an encounter with the burning bush, it changed him. I need you to understand that when people say, I know Christ, but their lives don't change, you know what? I doubt if you've even had a connection with God because when you have a connection with God, things change. They're transformed. You can't come into contact with God and stay the same. You might have had a contact with religion. You might have come face to face with the church. You might have come in contact with a great organization. But I tell you, when you come face to face with God, something takes place. Something changes inside of you. Look at verse 17. And Jesus came back and said, God bless you. Uh, you know you're, you're doing good when Jesus, when God tells you, God bless you. What he probably should have said is, I bless you. God bless you, Simon. And I'm reading out of the message version. Uh, this year, every year I read, I, I focus in on different versions uh, while I'm studying the word. And last year I used the New Living Translation. The year before that, the New King James Version. The year before that, it was the NIV. And then before that, it was the King James Version. And so what, I, what I'm trying to do this year, I'm focusing in on the, the message just because I like just the simplicity of it. I like how it brings. Now, you lose some in the translation of it, but then uh, that's why I'll go back because I have the other translations to go from. So if your Bible doesn't say this, you don't have a wrong Bible, okay? I just want you to, to, to understand that, okay? You're like, wait, I don't see. Where's it? God bless you in there. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get this answer out of books or from teachers, my Father in heaven, God himself, let you in on the secret of who I really am. I, I shared with you that some lessons are caught, others are taught. I want you to look now at uh, w- w- what's taking place here, okay? Something happens, something wonderful happens when we realize who Jesus is. I need that to sink in for a moment. Something incredible happens when you really recognize who Jesus is. I want you to look at the next verse as we pick up in verse 18 of chapter 16. And he says, and now, Jesus talking to Peter still. And you got, have you ever been in a classroom and someone answers the question? You're like, shoot, I should have said that. You got the other 11 disciples standing there as Peter has made this declaration. And Jesus now says, I'm going to tell you who you really are. You've confessed who I really am. And because you know who I am, I'm now going to tell you who you are. Oh, this is good stuff. I don't know if you're catching this. That when we recognize who God is, when we are able to get deeper beyond just the book knowledge, when we're able to open up the Bible and get beyond the black and white of what the words are saying or what an author is trying to communicate, but when we take the words and the words jump out of the page and they become life, when the life becomes, the word says in the book of John that the word became flesh and it walked among us. It's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the logos. He is the written word. 
but when he comes alive, he becomes the embodiment of the thoughts of God. You want to know what the Bible says? Look at Jesus. Excuse me, I'm getting a little perspired this morning. He says, and now you, I'm going to tell you who you really are, who you are, really are. You are Peter, a rock. So some scholars say that Simon meant pebble. Other scholars say that Peter means rock. That Jesus was taking Peter from being a little pebble and taking Simon and transforming Simon into a rock. Taking him from being something that could be kicked around, something that could be spread around very easily, to something that couldn't be moved very easily. Some of us get kicked around too easy. The enemy comes into our lives, and as he's walking, we get kicked like pebbles all over the place. But I believe that there's a time coming that when you get a revelation of who God is, you're not going to get kicked around any longer. You're not going to be able to be picked up or spread around, but you're going to be planted. Oh, somebody say amen. amen. Something wonderful happens when we realize who Jesus is. We find out who we really are. Then he says something in verse 16 or chapter 16. I think I got the, the uh, scripture wrong on this one. I, I think it's 19 on this one. But he says this. This is the rock on which I will build or put together What? My church. A church so expansive and with energy. You got energy this morning? Is this an energetic church this morning? Or are y'all the frozen chosen? I want to know, is this an energetic church this morning? The energy isn't based on the level noise that you make or how much you shout. It, the energy is shown by when we walk out of the doors of these church and how much of an answer we bring when we walk out. So with that in mind, I want to ask again, are we an energy-filled church? Somebody give God praise. I want you to notice this. I want you to check this out. See, this is a powerful statement as we, as we close this morning. Jesus says a very powerful statement. This is the rock which I will put together my church. Now, why did Jesus say my church? Why didn't he just say, I'm going to put together a church? He has to be making a distinction between one church and another. Nothing's in the word by accident. He's making a distinction. One thing I found that as I was reading, whether it's the message, the New Living Translation, the King James, the New King James, the NIV, the New American Standard, that every version has my before church. Every one of them. Because Jesus is making a powerful declaration. You see, I need you to understand that the word church is not a religious term. It was a Roman term, a Greek term. They had churches all over the place in those days. 
But it wasn't a religious institution. If Jesus had said, I would build my synagogue, the Jews would have been able to connect. He would have said, I'm going to build my temple. They would have been able to connect it. But when he says, I'm going to build my church, it, it, it caught him off guard. Disciples step back and like, well, wait a minute. How are you using a secular term to bring that in to what you're trying to build here? And yet, how many know today that church is not a secular term anymore? Jesus's church took over. The, the word church is in Greek is ekklesia. Everyone say that, ekklesia. Because you got to know who you is. Sometimes y'all got to know who you is before you can find out who you are. And so you got to recognize that ekklesia is what God says that we are. Ekklesia means called out ones. The ones that are called out. Now, in the Greek culture, in the Roman culture, what would happen is that in every city had a church. But the church, that the ecclesia, the called out ones, that whenever a city had a problem, whenever there was a crisis in the community, they called the ecclesia together. And so all the business owners came out. All the influencers came out. All the problem solvers came out. All the answer people came out. All the financial people came out. And they sat in the open square. And the ecclesia got together. And they got together with the king. Or they got together with the mayor or, or the, the overseer of that area and said this. What's the problem? They would share what the situation was, and then the ecclesia got to work at fixing it. I shared with you probably almost a year and a half ago of... Everything God created, he created with a purpose. Correct? Nothing God created doesn't have a purpose. Right? That even if you don't know the purpose of a thing, that purpose still exists. Correct? If you don't know the purpose of a thing, abuse is inevitable. When you don't know what something's for, you're going to end up destroying it and using it for the wrong purpose. Everything God created, he created with the purpose. Yeah, even marijuana. The problem is people don't realize what it was created for. They don't know the purpose. And so they abuse it. Abnormal use. When you and I don't know... When we don't understand what this is, we don't understand that this is the ecclesia. You are the influencers of the city of San Jose. You're the called out ones. 
And we gather every week to get a game plan, to get together, to walk out of these doors, to be the answer to our community. Oh, you ain't hearing me this morning. Because what we think church is, is church is the place I come to get rid of my guilt so I can make it through another week. That, that if I could just walk in and if you could just make me not feel guilty for what I did last week, maybe I could make it through the week before. But listen, the ecclesia is called out ones. Why do we have to overcome our problems and our issues when you know who he is? When I know who he is. I get a revelation of who I was really meant to be. And when I know who I was really meant to be, addiction isn't what I was created for. You know what? Marriage is supposed to be a picture of God in us. And so my marriage isn't just me and my husband or me and my wife. My, My marriage is literally a reflection of God. And so when I know what marriage is all about, I'm not going to abuse my wife or allow my husband to abuse me. The purpose of the church was to make every city, listen closely, I'm going to close right here, I promise. I know you want to leave, okay? So hang, hang with me. <laughs> I want you to notice this, this part right here because it's very important. The ecclesia was empowered by the state or the government because when problems came up, they wanted them to handle it like Rome so that whatever happened in Rome would happen in whatever city that they were in. They wanted to make sure, they wanted to ensure that all the problems were handled the way they were in Rome. And so Rome's ecclesia was established to make sure that whatever city, whatever village, whatever colonization was out there, that they operated things according to the way they did in Rome. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell won't even prevail against it. So what he's saying is that you, the called out ones, are here for one reason. To bring heaven. Your marriage should look like, your kids should look like, your job should reflect. It should all look like heaven when we're done. Why? Because you're there. You're the called out ones. Jesus was saying, I have a church too. 
And I'm going to colonize earth to make it look like heaven. When Jesus said, Peter, upon this rock, he wasn't telling Peter, you're the rock I'm building my church on. There's some religions that that have taken that and, and have thought that what that was saying is that Peter was the first pope. And that from then on out, Peter became that rock. But that's not what Jesus is saying. You read the word. You use the word to interpret the word. Okay? What he was saying is, Peter, your confession, your recognition of who I am. Who am I? I? You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. Peter, I'm the rock. I'm the cornerstone. I'm the cornerstone by which the church is built. Now, you might be a stone in the foundation, but without me, this house doesn't stand. Listen, you might be the man at home. You might have it together. But listen, you got to make sure that Jesus is the cornerstone. You and your wife are part of the foundation, but Christ must be the cornerstone, the foundation, the place where we launch off from. Bow your heads with me. You can't find your purpose outside of God. You will not find your purpose outside of God. We pray kingdom come. King come. We invite you now, my God, your glory, your power, your majesty. You alone are God. Something so powerful happens when you recognize who God is. Come on, heads bowed, eyes closed. Just for a moment, just listen to this. When blind Bartimaeus realized who Jesus was and called out Jesus, son of David, a messianic term, the only one that wasn't in the crowd stopped the crowd and blind Bartimaeus was healed. At the wedding, Jesus' mother comes up to him and says, they ran out of wine. We need you to to do something. He says, woman, my time has not yet come. She doesn't even listen to him because she knows who Jesus is. She walks away and says, do whatever he tells you to do, do. Jesus turns the water into wine. Mary was able to bring the promise of tomorrow into today because she knew who Jesus was. The centurion looked at Jesus and said, you don't even have to come to my house. I'm not worthy. Just speak the word because you have authority. I'm a man under authority. I understand authority. All you need to do is speak the word and everything will work out. The servant was healed. Woman with the issue of blood, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, right where you are right now, you need a revelation of who God is. Before I do a salvation call to commit your lives to the Lord, I want to find out, do you know who he is? Who is Jesus to you? If it's any other response other than the anointed one, the Christ, the son of the living God, then you've missed it. He's not a genie in a bottle. So right where you are, heads bowed and eyes closed, you simply say, Pastor Dan, I want to know who Jesus is. This has nothing to do with whether you're saved or not, whether you've accepted Christ or not, because some of us have accepted him and we've, we've received him or recognized him as savior. That's good. But we're going to end up dying and never experience him as king, as the Messiah. 
We're just going to get saved from this world, but we're never going to experience the power by which we were created for. If you're here right now and you just simply say, Pastor Dan, I, I, I want to know who God is. I want a deeper revelation. Just lift your hand right where you are. God bless you. 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 Anyone else? God bless you. 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 I love the fact that I see God bless you. So many Christian people that have been serving God for years raising their hands. Because that's just a recognition. And I raise my hand too because I recognize I want to know God deeper. I want to know him more. Right when I feel like I'm beginning to understand who he is, I realize I don't have a clue who he really is. You're here right now, but you don't even know Christ as Savior. I want to give you that opportunity. I'm going to count to three and just have you simply lift your hand up in the air, and we're going to say a prayer with you. I want to introduce you to my Father, to my King. Right where you are, heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm going to count to three. If you just say, Pastor, I want to, I want to receive Christ. Ready? One. While some are already raising your hands, God bless you. Two. Why run from God? All he's going to do is love you when he catches you. Three, just lift your hand right where you are. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I didn't even have to finish the one, two, three. That's the first time ever I didn't have to do that. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Everyone that's raised their hands, you know what's coming next. If you've been here for any amount of time, I'm going to have you come join me here at this altar. I want you to come and catch this lesson. Some things are caught. Others are taught. I want you to come catch who God is right now. These altars are open. Would you come? For any one of those calls, whether salvation or just to get to know God, come, come to the place where you get to know him. Amen. Praise the Lord. Give them a round of applause as they come. Amen. Amen. You, you, can, you can face me. Yeah, thanks. Amen. We're just going to pray with you. We're going to take time and pray with you. And I'm going to ask the prayer team to come join me up here as well. And if you guys would. We're just going to come and just agree. We're going to be a contact point. For those of you that are sitting that are saying that, you know what? I I want more of God. I want to know God in a deeper level. I I want to encourage you. One of the things that that I believe that we've hamstrung our church in over the years is being a mobile church, we set up, we break down, we get one service in, we get one service out. And we've kind of lost what it is in the old school churches. Remember the churches we were growing, we were raised in Nova the, and, and Pastor Sylvia, the churches where we learned to contend before God. The churches where we would come and we would be at the altar and didn't matter if another service was going to start. Growth was great, you know, the growth of things and having to get another service started is great. But I think that we've missed out sometimes in, in, the, in the programming of trying to get things done that we've missed out when God has wanted to reveal himself. And so this morning, we're going to just open the altars and give you the opportunity. If you want to spend some time with God, this is your opportunity. I, listen, as soon as you walk out of here, life starts all over again. Your phone's going to be ringing. You're going to have things that are going to need attention. You're, not going, to, you're going to think, well, I'll make time to pray later on this week. Why wait till this week? Why not get alone with God? You got the atmosphere, the environment already set for you. Let's make this a church that knows how to contend. Amen. Let's become a church that knows how to reach God. 
Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at www.cwcsj.org.